We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live edition of the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and special guest Dalton Pence to break down the draft. Guys, how are we doing after a fun night? I mean, I don't know how Dalton's doing, but I love the content that you guys are bringing out last night. I was in the chats. It was, uh, it was a nice time because I felt like I was a part of it, even though I wasn't actually. Yeah, it's definitely overwhelming, especially with all the trades that were happening, kind of pre-drafting how there were about four or five moves that happened in the span of an hour to two hours. But, I mean, overall, I mean, you can't match the excitement NBA draft-wise. I mean, I know that there's – the free agency but for me the draft is just so big in terms of the excitement that it yields a lot of speculation and it's really connected to free agency and we'll kind of discuss that a little later on obviously we'll get into the picks but always quick reminder you can check us out itunes block talk radio otg basketball.com google play dash radio and youtube also special giveaway today on air all you got to do is leave a question or a comment in the youtube chat we'll be giving you a brooklyn buzz t-shirt i'm sure what that looks like head to design tree slash off the glass but uh obviously last night Relatively busy night for the Nets. They trade the number 27 pick to the Clippers for uh, the 56 pick, a future first round pick, 2020 first round pick from the Clippers, though, via the Sixers protected one through 14. And then with the 31 pick, they drafted Nicholas Claxton and 56, which they acquired in the trade, Jalen Hands. So initially, let's discuss the trade and what it means for the Nets. Obviously, they opened up some more cap space for their free agent hunt. So I've got obviously plenty of questions for, for you, Dalton. Firstly, I know a lot of fans, including myself, just sort of say, oh, do we have another Jared Allen on our hands? What are the similarities and differences between Claxton and Jared Allen? Yeah, so, I mean, you watch Claxton play and you kind of get that Jared Allen type of vibe. The one thing that really stands out to me is his ability to block shots and protect the rim. And we know that how many times did Jared Allen block numerous stars last year in the season? So, 
uh, Claxton kind of gives you that vibe. Uh, he's definitely mobile like Allen is. Uh, maybe not as, I guess you would say, defensively aware, but I also like the rim running potential that Claxton brings to the table, kind of Jared Allen-esque. Yeah, I thought the really interesting thing about Claxton was a lot of comparisons about him having almost a guard-like skill set and then obviously 9-2 standing reach. Just a really interesting player. Like, why was he available at 31 and where did you have him on your draft board? I know we talked a little bit yesterday, but this is for our Nets fans. So he was actually number 14 on my final draft board that dropped Whoa. yesterday. So yeah, he That's was very like high on my draft board. <laughs> yeah, Claxton was up there. Um, really a late bloomer. You didn't see a ton of production in college. Uh, he, came, he spent two years at Georgia. I don't think that it helps that Georgia wasn't necessarily nationally recognized ever because they've been mediocre for quite some time now. But um, didn't have a good freshman year. Had kind of an under-the-radar sophomore season. Averaged like 13 and 8, respectively. So, I mean, respective numbers in a sense, but nothing that's going to pop off the sheet. He had a good draft combine, and he had the good measurements. Like you mentioned, the 9-2 standing reach is absolutely outstanding. But the pre-draft workouts is where I think that you see a lot of teams start to kind of – come around on him like I think the thing that sold me about him the most was the ability to create his own shot at 6 10 6 11 is huge I mean the guy can pull up he has good dribbles and good handles for his size I think that's kind of where it looks like the ceiling may be a little higher than for him than Jared Allen potentially I'm not really big into comparing prospects to NBA players but there's ton of offensive potential as far as the draft slide you know, you, you take everything with a grain of salt because a lot of things are psychological in the draft. I mean, you play a lot based upon what happens and based upon team needs. Not too many teams needed a big man. So, I mean, you see Brooklyn at 31 taking him to kind of fill out a role player needs. I mean, I love the pick for the Nets. In terms of that, SSV sort of jumped in, um, Dalton. You've sort of talked about his uh, crazy sort of athletic athleticism and, and the tangible uh, sort of uh, elements he has there. Uh, can he play the four a little bit? I was, I've was i been reading stuff for talking him about as a power forward, though the size that he has, he just seems like a natural center. Can he play the four and five? I think it's going to be interesting to see if that's a, a – in a a viable option. I believe it is. Uh, I think that he's more mobile than Allen. I think that he has more of a, a build for a power forward. I mean, he's only, what, 217 pounds, so he's really yeah. going to have to add some weight. And I think that's another thing that kind of drove scouts off him was he's kind of has kind of the, the bowl, bowl weight mentality if he's going to have to bulk up quite substantially. But he's very quick laterally, so it kind of leads you to think that he's going to be able to guard slower power forwards. Maybe not the premier players in the league, but definitely serviceable power forwards around. Yeah. Would you say, Dolan, that his biggest weakness probably is his size? And, you know, coming into the NBA, a lot of rookies are undersized. So would that be the biggest issue with him is the frame and the weight? Uh, I'm not sure that it's the biggest issue because the good thing about it, we saw with Joel Embiid, you can fix the weight. You can get them on the weight plans and stuff like that. I think the biggest thing is the discipline and the maturity. And I think that's what he lacks is he's, he's very basketball young, hasn't been that big of a contributor for – uh, that long just had the one good season at Georgia. He gets lost on the court sometimes, especially offensively. Tries to do too much for his skill set. It's like he's good and he and he knows he's good. And it kind of reminds you has the AAU vibe to where he kind of does a lot of isolation ball. And for a big man, that's not necessarily what you look for in the league. So 
it's really a term of what are his role for next year and fit for next year. So it's a matter of being able to get him accustomed to the speed of the NBA and the style of the NBA. How do you think he fits in in that sort of sense um, in terms of uh, an NBA prospect? Obviously, you can do you know so much in, against high school kids and, and AAU kids and the rest. But where do you think he fits as an NBA prospect uh, compared to say other centers like you know Goga, Jackson Hayes, and the like? Well, you know the beauty the beauty about it is we're talking about three or four different prospects, three or four different types of prospect. Batads is not really athletic. Hayes doesn't have the offensive skill set yet of uh, Claxton and uh, Bo Bo obviously is doesn't have the feet for anything <laughs> injury wise. But uh, I, I like Claxton's role player persona that he gives off. At least I, I think he's going to play some decent minutes next year. Like I said, it, what what you need him for is the backup position, assuming that you don't bring back Ed Davis. So. I like him in that role. I think that if he can fulfill his role of just rim running and protecting the rim right now, I think he's good off running the pick and roll. And that's good because if you get a player like Kyrie Irving in free agency to be able to use him in some good minutes with the pick and roll action, it's going to be able to see him more on the court. It's just going to depend on does he look does he look like he's there? And depending on does he get lost offensively, is he in the rhythm, does he know his role, it's all going to depend on how effective he plays it out. Would you consider him more of a project player than an NBA-ready player? Like, there's a lot of development yeah. for him. I, I think he's going to be able to come in. He's going to be able to hit some threes right away. I mean, the guy can pull up from three at 6'10". That's, that's amazing. That's kind of what got him at that number 14 spot on my, that, my big board because you just don't see that. I mean, you, we always talk about guys who can, okay, well, maybe he can develop a mid-range game maybe in it later in his career. You know, Claxton has it. It's just a matter of piecing it together mentally and adding the cohesive parts to his game. So I think you're going to see him, and it's going to be a, in a, an attractive player, but it's going to be a little down the road before he's able to contribute substantially like, per se, Jared Allen would. So it seems to me in, in terms of comparing the two, Jared Allen has a lot sort of lower of a floor in that sort of sense. He's able to contribute pretty quickly. And I, I mean, not a lot of people expected that. Um, whereas Claxton's ceiling seems a little bit untapped with the with the offensive potential, the athleticism, uh, the ability to play maybe the four and the five. What do you see as Claxton's utmost ceiling? Obviously, he still has a ways to go, as you sort of said, Dalton. But in five, six years' time where he's sort of finding his footing in the league, where could you see him as a center in this NBA? Is he a top five center? Is he an all-star center? Is he a role player center off the bench? What, what is that utmost ceiling you could almost see for him? I know it's hard to sort of say that with these 18-year-old, 19-year-olds, but uh, you know that's why you're on the show, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's also hard because, I mean, different players are granted different opportunities. You know, it, it, there's going to be limited opportunities for Claxton because Jared Allen is the big man of the, of the future. But it's also going to be interesting to see, is Claxton going to be looked at as a four or a five? And that's, like I said, going to depend on how he fits in with the, the system and the scheme. I think he has all-star potential. I think that the, pretty much almost all of the top 14 guys in my draft board have all-star potential. It's just a matter of putting it all together. But the talent is there, and that's something that really you should be pretty optimistic and energetic about it if you're a Brooklyn fan especially with the way the player development team has worked with a lot of players who haven't necessarily had the skill set that Claxton has. 
Now you mentioned all-star potential. What would be some NBA guys you would compare his game to or the potential he has to be like them in the future? It doesn't have to be one guy. It could be shades of certain players. I know the ringer mentioned Mason Plumlee and Al Horford. Yeah. Um, I, the reason I, I, the Al Horford one doesn't really make too much sense to me is the athleticism. I, I, I like kind of a, a, a light Joel Embiid type prospect just because he's long, he's athletic, he's crafty with the ball. He can kind of dribble very well for a big man, and he can knock down the outside side. So if I'm going to pick a prospect, I'm looking at Joel Embiid. In terms of just overall skill set, I mean, there, there, there's so many different guys you could look at. Um, I, I, it's kind of cliche, but Jared Allen's a guy that I like because of the rim running and rim protecting potential. Seems like Paul's trying to get back on the show on a regular basis, comparing him to Joel Embiid. Bueno fans Joel Embiid on the show. He elbowed our boy Jared <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, in that sense, you, speaking of the sort of defensive ceiling, you're obviously comparing him, Dalton, to one of the best defensive centers in the league today. But um, he, he was third among collegiate um, in, in, in terms of when it comes to blocks per, per 40 minutes. But then also he averaged 1.3 steals as well. So is that obviously the defensive versatility? Does he have a greater defensive versatility now, I'm not saying he's a better player than Joel Embiid, but Joel Embiid is your prototypical best sort of defensive rim protector in, in the league. Whereas it seems to me just b- purely by statistically and, and some video uh, and the sort of you know athletic ability that he has, Nick Claxton can be a, a crafty sort of guy that can get his hands in the passing lanes too. I think, uh, you know, I think the thing about Claxton is I think he's more agile than Embiid. And I think the injury history kind of goes into that as well. Um, I mean, he's got a seven, two and a half wingspan, so that really helps out in the steals because he's able to jump the passing lanes. So, but in terms of, I think he's a, going to be a better perimeter defender than Embiid just because of that lateral quickness. But I'm not so sure that he's going to be as good as a, an on-ball defender because of the weight issues. But rim rim protecting, I mean, average two and a half blocks per game in college. If you go back and watch his defensive highlights. He's just very good with being able to alter shots. And it's not like shots that you're pitching into the stands. It's altering shots in the air to be able to secure a possession. So it's a, I call him a, a smart shot blocker in that sense. But, I mean, the, the potential is there to be a Joel Embiid-esque level defender. It's just a matter of if he can put it together because we know how talented Embiid is. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, that's some high praise. Now, Jack, I got a question for you. Based off what Dolan has told us so far about Claxton, what do you expect from him next season with the Nets? Do you expect to see him getting some minutes, or do you expect him to expect more time in the G League? Obviously, last two years we've been wrong. We expected Jared Allen to spend a lot of time in the G League. Rodion's we thought would play not much. He ended up starting the second half of the season. This is kind of a shot in the dark, but what are you thinking? Yeah, Clarkson's starting all 82 games. No, <laughs> um, really, for me, this is almost even more shot in the dark. I mean, Dalton's provided some some pretty awesome information there. And the fact that I think he has some versatility to hopefully play at the four, I don't care that he's 6'10 and, and a bit skinny. I think it probably works better to play as like a sort of big four because of that mobility. And we spoke about, we've spoken about Jared Allen having some mobility and we're like, well, maybe he can play alongside Ed Davis. 
Whereas I think it's almost a possibility that we could see Claxton and Jared Allen playing some minutes together. Um, I'm really hoping we see a, a heap of time from him at Summer League. I hope Jared Allen goes down there with him. I know in um, his presser that Claxton said that he, he looks forward to learning from Jared Allen as well. Um, I'm not going to put any sort of projection on like over under 40 games. I'll go over just because I'm, I'm optimistic about the kid. Um, and I think that if we don't see a Davis on the roster, then you know he's our, our backup center uh, in that sort of sense. And, and a guy who obviously played the four a little bit too. But uh, I, I really like the pick as well. You know, just listening from everyone from Dalton and you guys on the outlet uh, to the guys at the ring and everyone else, um, it, it seems pretty positive that we got a, a, a really good guy. Um, and I'd like to ask Dalton after, Nick, you give your thoughts where he ranks as a center in this class. Uh, obviously, you know, Jackson Hayes was that first sort of pick, but um, he seems to somewhat be a bit of a reach, but more of a, a fit piece alongside Zion. But Nick, what were your thoughts? And, and what do you think about uh, Jackson, uh, not Jackson Hayes, Cla- uh, Nick Claxton heading into next season? I think what you mentioned was the most intriguing thing. This is probably the first time the Nets actually have a four that's big. Like he can play the four and he actually has some size where, you know, we're used to seeing the last few seasons throwing out Rondé House, Jefferson, Jared Dudley, Royans, like guys that don't have size. If they go up against two big men, they at least have some type of answer. We don't know if he's going to be a four or five. Sean Marks' comments on him pretty much said that he's not going to put him into one position. So I think that's really intriguing. I love the skill set. I'm not sure how many games he's going to play. Obviously, a lot's going to depend on free agency and what their goals are for next season. But I'm really happy about the pick, and I'm intrigued. But back to your question to Dalton. Before Dalton jumps in, he's also not guaranteed for a contract because he is a second-round pick. So obviously, we go Rodon's at four-year contract for around $7 million. So he doesn't have a guaranteed contract yet because he's not a first-round. Obviously, if we have taken him with 27, that would have been the case. But um, obviously, there still needs to be some news that comes out around that if Nick Claxton is a, is a net long-term. And that's a really good thing because if they were able to get some type of deal similar to Rodion's, it could help them obviously with the cap for this summer and signing big free agents. But long-term, if you get a player that you really like and you're developing him and you have him on a nice contract, like we're already looking at Rodion's contract as a steal for the next three years. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with that as well, Jack. So Dalton, where did he rank as a center in this class? I know you had him at 14, which is music to my ears because I trust, I trust you and everyone, Matt and Dylan's uh, draft prospects uh, reports more than anyone probably in, in the NBA Twitter sphere. But where did he rank as a center? I know we were sort of, we touched on on Goga, Jackson Hayes, uh, Bol Bol, these sort of guys. Where does he rank? Obviously, there are, there, a lot of them are very different prospects. But if you had them just lined up against the wall and you had to pick your center of the future, power forward of the future, or you just wanted to play right now, um, I guess it's a, a layered question. But, you know, you, it, the floor is yours. First of all, shout out for the energy. I mean, that, that's is definitely a, it's definitely a relief to hear that. Uh, but in terms of where he ranks on my, as a center, the, the thing about this class is there's no premier center. And the kind of the big men are kind of scarce. I mean, there's a dime a dozen, but you have a couple quality ones. Goja Batadze it was the number one center, not by much, followed by Jackson Hayes and then Nick Claxton. But there's, it, there's not too big of a gap between Hayes and Claxton because I haven't fully bought into Hayes as a prospect. Like, I understand the hype around him, but at the same time, he does have a lot more developing, I feel like, offensively than Claxton does, in opposed to just being, I guess, smaller and having the defensive maturity issues. But he's, he's the third-ranked center on my board. Big praise from Dalton. Yeah, I like it. And, and I think that... 
you know, I've, I've seen a little bit about Jackson Hayes. And I remember when we were doing sort of earlier buzzes just leading up to the draft that there was he was around that sort of 15 to 17 range. And I was like, oh, maybe the Nets could get another Texas center. Uh, but obviously he rose. And it was a little bit of a reach pick uh, that, that I saw. But I'm really happy with a guy like Nick Claxton. And I think that just hearing, you know, the, the main weaknesses being, you know, mentality and frame, then those are two really easy things to fix when you have, uh, like Nick sort of said, a quality staff, player development staff in the... And there were questions around Jared Allen and his sort of mentality to uh, the sort of opposite spectrum, where it's like, does he really even like to play basketball? Is he passionate enough? Um, we know that about Claxton. We know he's got that sort of persona where he seems to be really confident and sure in himself. And I like that in a play. I like that guys that who, who know what they can do and have that confidence because I think that reflects well on the court. And the body sort of frame thing, um, you know, Kevin Durant has never put on 10 kilos in his life <laughs> the entire NBA and he remains one of the best players of all time I, I think body maybe I think at Senate matters more than any other but I think it could also we don't want it to take away from his mobility I guess when it comes to Nick Claxton you don't want him to become a sort of big lumbering guy you want him to be have that versatility to be able to defend on the perimeter like Dalton's been saying and use his reach and get those steals as well as those blocks and, yeah, and you talk about this sorry to cut you off Don Guys in the mid-20s are always putting on weight naturally. You're just getting bigger as you get older, you know, muscle-wise. So I'm pretty confident in what the Nets can do with him. Obviously, you know, it's still up in the air, but it's exciting. And one of the problems that you see, at least we saw with Claxton this year, was foul trouble. And that partly is a mixture of him being undersized and under and underweighted, I guess you would say. No, that's not really a word, but I mean, that's kind of what comes to <laughs> it's mind. It's a word here. <laughs> it, it's the lack of weight and the lack of strength that he um, applies to his game, but also it's the defensive maturity. So if you can get those two in line, if you can put him on the right weight and strength program, if you can get him to buy into his role, the defensive potential is almost as high as the offensive potential. I mean, this guy is oozing with potential. I mean, that's why I think that he's an all-star caliber player. I know that he's extremely raw. I know he doesn't really have a true identity on either side of the ball yet, but when you're choosing, especially 31 in the second round, you get a guy with this type of upside. I mean, you have to be absolutely enthusiastic about it. It's interesting. Want to... with, oh, sorry, Jack, two guys with really interesting uh, potential going uh, 31 and 30. So a lot could happen. Do we all want to hear Sean Marks's comments in relation to to Mr. Claxton? Drop him. So, uh, Marks said in a presser, we enjoyed watching him throughout the year and thrilled to have him in here and work out in front of our coaching staff, which is something we're always pretty paramount on getting him in. Love the person, love getting to know him and meet him. Look forward to meeting the family tomorrow. So, I think there's a tremendous amount of upside there with him, the way he moves, the way I think he'll eventually be able to stretch the floor, the way he can handle the ball already. It's always nice when you meet a guy, when you get a guy with that build and you hopefully can add to that frame. Uh, he also said, we're more focused on getting who's best available. It doesn't hurt that he plays the position he does. But again, I think we're judging in a lot of different things. It's the upside, a guy that we think fits the modern NBA. We like the style that he plays and he's j probably just scratching the surface. So it will be intriguing for us. Sounds like a lot of stuff that we heard from Dalton today. <laughs> He's been listening to the outlet and subscribed to on iTunes to everything that Dalton's doing, and he's got his uh, he's got his author page bookmarked on OGGBasketball.com. <laughs> I like it. I mean, and that's kind of what you expect from Sean Marks, best player available. He's been their team has been really good in terms of drafting. Obviously, a lot of great picks the last few years from Karis Avert, Jared Allen, Rodions. We don't know what Moose is going to be until we see him play a little bit more, but hopefully, Claxton kind of keep that up. Any other thoughts on Claxton before we move on to hands? 
I was just going to ask um, Dalton in terms of the fit in in Brooklyn outside of outside of the Nets. Where would you? And I mean, this is an, an outside Nets question. Is there a better fit for him than where he landed in Brooklyn? Because uh, I know that he has he's one of the best centers in the class. You ranked him third. Um, but obviously with the Nets right now and what Sean Marks' comments have said, it seems to me like it's almost the perfect fit. Yeah, um, really, and it's kind of, it's kind of cliche because the, with the way he, the style of play that he incorporates, any team is a good fit. But uh, you look around the league, the Lakers would be a good fit because you okay. get a cheap big man who you don't need to be great offensively, but he does give you an, an honest scoring option for his role and his pay grade. Um, another team you could look at, I mean, the Pelicans would be a, a good pick kind of in a Jackson Hayes role, kind yeah. of that athletic big man who's able to know his role and to play within the scheme that they play. Atlanta is a team that I like, especially with the pick and roll potential with Trey Young and Kevin Herter. So they're, they're, those are just a couple of scenes. But I mean, any team that would have picked him, I would have said would have been a good fit. Yep. And it just seems like his skill set really fits the NBA, guys being, you know, versatile on both ends of the floor. But moving on to Jalen Hands, who the Nets drafted at number 56 via the trade, um, 6'3", combo guard, very explosive. To be honest, I don't really know a ton about him. Dalton, inform us. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a guy that when he came into UCLA, there was a lot of buzz about him because – no pun intended, a lot, of Brook, a lot of Brooklyn buzz about him, but there there was a lot of hype regarding his athleticism. I mean, overtime and ball his life had a couple clips. I mean, seeing him soar through the lane and being able to throw it down is always going to get you hyped for a, a high school prospect. Um, the thing about hands, I think in a nutshell, is he's, he's average and above average at a lot of things. There's just, he doesn't have a signature calling. I think that if, there, there's not a true ceiling for him. I'm not really sure what his role would be except for a backup point guard. But, I mean, he's a guy that does a lot of things well. I mean, he's above average defender. He's a, a respectable three-point shooter. But I think he gets a lot of his stuff from the athleticism and the quickness that he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt punting on an athlete. And Sean Marks says, Jalen's an explosive young guard. I'm very intrigued by him. So it'll be interesting to see him and get up close and personal and get to know him and see where he goes from there. Obviously, I expect a lot more G League time from him than Claxon, Rodions, and, and the rest mm -hmm. of the guys we talk about. Average 14 point, 14.2 points and 6.1 assists for the Bruins, uh, named to the all Pac 12 second team. Um, as a passer, uh, Dalton, um, what, six assists isn't, is, you know, no shoddy number. No, I mean, the good thing about it is he had guys like Chris Wilkes and Moses Brown and company on that UCLA team. I know they didn't experience a lot of team success, but he did have some scores on that roster. The thing about Hands is, yes, he is a good passer, but the I think you take it with a grain of salt because his decision-making is so sketchy. I mean, he averaged, I think it was like just over three turnovers a game, which in college, trying to be a premier playmaker and go to the NBA draft. I mean, that's not necessarily a stat that you sit there and you're like, oh, okay, because, I mean, it is kind of an alarming stat for a, a point guard. I know he has the ball in his hands a lot for the Bruins, but it, it's the decision-making. He turns the ball over a lot. He tries to force things when they're not there. I think that's kind of more of him trying to take it to the rim rather than trying to make the pass. So I, he's kind of a score-first point guard. 
Okay. In that sort of sense, um, is there any NBA comparisons that you sort of have? I know <sighs> I'm not the biggest fan of them, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, explosive young guard sort of speaks to me, you know, Nate Robinson, a bigger Nate Robinson in, in a lot of ways. I, I have no idea. Yeah, oof. This is, this is kind of interesting. Uh, w- kind of looking through and thinking about the league, I want to say kind of like a, a point guard version of Dion Waiters. Oh, I like if that, it. If that, <laughs> if that makes sense. I think maybe a, a, less, a less visioned type of, I'd say a Darren Collison with less court vision. I like this. I, I like this. Looking at so, Don't I, I really had to go. Really had to go in the woodwork to get that one because hands is a guy. I mean, the, the the reason it's so hard to find a comparison because he doesn't really have an identity. Like he's just yeah, a, yeah. He's he's a solid college player, but there's no true upside for him to be a great NBA player. Now, obviously, I mean, we've been proven wrong, but just kind of looking at it from. In overall sense, I think if he develops into a, a potential backup point guard for the Nets, it's a home run development. Awesome. And D-Rock jumped into the comments before you jump in. Uh, between Musa, Kurutz, Claxton, and Hands, which player has is closest to being an all-star? I guess that which player has the most potential to be an all-star, I guess? I mean, I'd say it's Claxton. I, it, Kurutz is pretty much right there just because, I mean, he did look good last season, better than a lot of people thought he was going to look. I mean, you all talked about his role in the team, especially in the last half. I I expect still the upward trajectory in his career. I mean, he's a very young player, a lot of potential there, but just the physical gifts that Claxton has and the fact that you don't see many guys of his nature and his position being able to step out and hit shots and being able to shoot off the dribble which there are not many big men that can do in front of my know about Claxton like he moves pretty well like his motions are really good for him size which I think is really intriguing when you can handle the ball so it's just like how much can he play make and we kind of talked about him doing a lot at Georgia so I'm intrigued by that but did you expect hands to be drafted or was he a guy you expect to go undrafted well actually I mean Jalen hands uh, I'm not sure if I had included him, but he was definitely in consideration in my November and December mocks for a first-round selection. Like, I pegged him as a a borderline first-round fringe, first-round prospect. But, you know, as the time went on at UCLA, I mean, you see the same over and over. I mean, there's no true sense of growth throughout the season. It's just kind of that you know what you're going to get in terms of hands. So the, the capped potential really kind of drove me off of him. And the uh, the demeanors, I think, is a problem as well. Kind of like how you mentioned with Allen, it's does he even want to play basketball? I mean, is he is he actually pursuing an NBA career? Is kind of the the question that we have kind of theorized with his demeanor. But I mean, I thought he was going to get drafted. I thought it was going to be in kind of the range that they're at now. I thought that I think I had him pegged at fifty two in my full mock. So. I mean, just a little off, but it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he would have went undrafted. That's pretty close for a guy that went 56. Not bad. Yeah. Um, SSV's jumped in. I mean, it wouldn't be a Nets draft pod without some bowl bowl talk. Um, <laughs> this is a, a hypothetical for you, Dalton. What if the Nets had landed bowl bowl at 31? Thoughts on that? I really wish you would have said if they would have landed him at 56 because I'd be like, yep, home run. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
talent talent alone, Bobo's a top ten prospect. I mean, if yeah. if he's healthy, if he didn't have the foot issue, if he was a little bit heavier than what he is now in the Jarrett Culver esque body or weight that he <laughs> carries around, I I mean the the guy's a, a lock to go top five. I mean, the, you don't see seven three guys kind of like in a in a Claxton sense. You don't see six ten guys being able to hit those shots. You don't see seven three guys being able to hit those shots. And Bobo was a three level scorer, but the foot issues, especially with big men, are so great. And a guy with, of that stature, I mean, there's just there's so many concerns. And the draft slot is so misfortunate because he really seems like a good guy down deep down. But you're not drafting him based upon his character. You're drafting him based upon his projection. That's at 31. I think Claxton was the right move. If you take Bull here. You could talk me into it, and I could talk myself into it, but I, I'm not going to get too overtly optimistic until he shows that, yes, he can put on weight, and, yes, he can stay healthy enough to even get on the court. Yeah. yeah. Um, the reports all the time where the medical reports are really bad for him, and that's – Very, very bad. I mean, you're, you're looking almost – I'm not going to say career-ending bad because obviously it's not, but if you're looking kind of a less mild report, I, heard- I mean, Bobo's right there. I heard Brandon Roy in terms of the knee injuries, like that was the comparison that I heard. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's a very real possibility that he does not play a lot in the league. Yeah, well, navicular so. foot injuries are probably the worst injury you can suffer as a big man, and they linger and they cause a lot of other long-term issues. But Crimson Striker's got a great uh, question, guys, uh, in the YouTube chat, and uh, it was a, a one you sort of delved into a little bit on the outlet, but. Uh, in relation to the Clippers pick that we got via Philadelphia in that Tobias Harris trade, uh, is it worth it beyond the cap space release? Will the class look better next year as it is obviously a first rounder? Well, I, I like this move for the Nets for two reasons. Number one, the pick was number 27. So you do give your oppor- you do get an opportunity to get a higher pick. And even if it's in that 27 to 30 range next year, I mean, you're like, oh, okay, what the hell? I mean, it's not that big of a difference. But there is the possibility that, I mean, Philadelphia does lose Jimmy Butler to another team or sign and trade if he does opt in, which will be contrary to uh, previous reports. I mean, Tobias Harris is a free agent. J.J. Reddick's a free agent. So there's a lot in terms of uncertainty regarding the 76ers so I think it's a good move in that sense you clear the cap space so you don't have that cap hold so you can add that to maybe pairing Kyrie and Durant if you can clear up some I think Nick you said it was like 1.5 million that they had to clear up next or something I think uh, 1.28 million a 1.28 is the amount they need yeah so it's but right there in the report yeah good and for the second reason I mean the class, you know, it can kind of be misconstrued because this class is a weaker class in terms of there's not a lot of top-tier prospects. I mean, you have your five to seven, six to eight prospects that are, I think, that are going to be very, very solid players in the rest. Are, you have your potential solid guys, potential high upside guys. But overall, I think this class is weaker than most. I think that there's some potential. I mean, there's a lot of high school guys that could come in and show out. I think that the 2020 class is going to be better Top side, it's going to be interesting to see how that what that's like first round talent. But there's a lot, there's a couple of guys that return to college that could be in that next year via maybe Miles Powell, Jordan Wara. There's a ton of prospects. I think 2020 is going to be stronger than 2019. So I think the Nets made the right move from pretty much all angles. 
Yeah, I, I love that. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, mm, this is a nice move because obviously money-wise, obviously getting Nick Claxton at the 30, the 31st pick anyway, you know, you have you know, you have a real chance to be somewhat better, getting a somewhat better pick next year because, you know, if you're looking at the Sixers, and I think one thing that I'm really going to enjoy is rooting against the Sixers all season <laughs> for them to be bad. I mean, I do that anyway after this year's playoffs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hopefully it can be around that sort of early, mid-20s and who knows with Joel Embiid, who knows if Ben Simmons will actually ever hit a three-pointer in his career. Um, it's a wonderful time to be a Nets fan to, to root against uh, an Atlantic division rival. So, uh, like the analysis there, Dalton. And I think and so, another and to get- sorry, Dalton, to cut you off, is you're drafting at 27 and 31. You have two picks so close. You know, you're probably going to be able to get the guy you want at 27 and 31, which Sean Marks kind of hinted at. And like I was going to say, I mean, to kind of just state the obvious, now you have more time if you wanted to. I, I'm not sure what the Nets are looking like in terms of landscape because the free agency, I mean, that, that all the attention goes there. But you do have another asset for future trades that if you wanted to strap on in terms of you have the timing. I mean, you have all year now instead of having to move with a player that would have already had cap holds and stuff like that. So now you have another asset to be able to pair onto a future trade. So, I mean – I think this move literally makes all sense from almost every standpoint. 100%. Look at Dalton uh, dropping some good draft knowledge and some good uh, cap knowledge over here. Um, But, guys, any other thoughts on the draft we want to touch on? Jack, you want to pick out who's winning this Brooklyn Buzz t-shirt? Yeah, I'm going to give it to my boy D-Rock. I mean, I've seen the dude in person. Uh, He can't not be wearing a Brooklyn Buzz t-shirt out there uh, in in, in the Brooklyn borough. So, shout-out to D-Rock. Nick, and Dalton. No, I'll give it to Dalton because uh, Dalton knows more than you, Nick. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> give us a grade. Uh, we, we love those We love those grades. Give us a grade of, of the Brooklyn Nets draft night with the trade, uh, with the Claxton pick, with the hands pick. So if I'm looking at a grade, I'm also going to incorporate the Torian Prince deal because, I mean, you That's what that Crimson, 17th pick as well. Sorry to jump so. in. That's exactly what Crimson Striker just asked. He's like, here's a pre-draft trade pre-draft trade question will prince pan out beyond the 17th pick that we lost simple so answer like, yes oh I, like I think it. i think i think so i mean tory and prince i mean we we see potential there he was a guy that came into the league not really knowing offensively what we were going to get from him but you're starting to be able to buy in. i think he's a solid player on both sides of the ball he's cheap for now it's going to be interesting to see what they do when it comes time for extension but that's down the road but I, I like this pick. I don't think that there's going to be a prospect at 17 that you're going to be able to plug in right now or even maybe a year or two down the road that's going to have the effect that Torian Prince has because Prince is a solid player, and he's only getting better. Still quite young. So. As soon as that trade um, happened, what I did is actually message the entire draft team and ask them that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> didn't, I, I, um, I love the move. And didn't Alexander's, Shagulis Alexander's cousin go to the Pelicans at that pick? Correct. Uh, yeah, yes, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah, and no, I mean, I mean, he seems like a nice little role player. Um, he's he's goodish, but I'm happy that we got a Torian Prince, who was a guy that has proven himself already in, in these few years in the league. But uh, some right. awesome questions, guys, and some uh, fantastic analysis. I already feel smarter as a draft somewhat novice, <laughs> turning into a draft uh, intermediate throughout this podcast. So, looking at the grades, I I, I give the Nets an A minus. I think that the only thing that holds me from giving them an A or an A plus is I wasn't too big on the hand selection. I thought that there were some guys that you could have got there at 50, 50, 
six was or 54, 56. That Who would you have I, taken? I, Shem- I probably would have taken Shamori Pons out of St. John's. That's a guy that the Rockets just got. Uh, or Lewis King out of Oregon. And both guys have some upside. I think Pons is the better guard. I mean, he he does he has scoring to his name. A smaller guy, but I mean, he's a he's a microwave, and you can't have too many of those in the league. Kind of Nate Robinson esque. So th- those are a couple names. I mean, there's there's other players that you look at, but. I love the trade with Atlanta. I like getting Torian Prince. I love the selection of Nicholas Claxton. Trading away the uh, rights or the the pick that ultimately landed the Clippers, Mafondu Kevin Gelly, to flip it for a, an asset next year, which you can use for future trade packages or maybe a higher pick at where it lands. I, I, I like the moves. I wasn't opposed to the Jalen Hands move, but that's, that kind of docks it a little bit. So A-minus is going to be my feeling. We'll take it any day of the week. No complaints over here. Dalton, really appreciate you hopping on. Obviously, we talked about the last two days with the outlet and the buzz. Jack, always a pleasure. Thank everybody for listening in, viewing, whatever it may be. And like Jack mentioned in the chat, D-Rock, hit me up on my personal Twitter or the OTG Basketball Twitter to get that free T-shirt for you. And obviously, check out the show, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTG Basketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, NetsRepublic.com, and YouTube. Jack and I will also be live tomorrow at 6.30 doing an NBA free agency pod. Obviously, Brooklyn Bus style. Kevin Durant, baby. <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.